Hi friends, this is Shrima, also known as the Type A Hippie, and this is the Type A Hippie Podcast, Chicas episode 91. And I'm on actually with my former boss, even though we don't kind of talk about it like that. So he is the CEO of an amazing um, company called Iora Health. His name is Rushika Fernando Pule. So Rushika, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here, Jadima. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about yourself um, briefly in your own words. Sure. So I'm a physician, a primary care doc, uh, but I've been working in the last uh, 15 years or so to try and change the model we have of primary care delivery. You know, I think um, I still practice, I still see patients, I went into medicine because I want to try and heal people and it became very clear to me that uh, despite good intentions, uh, despite sort of an obscene amount of money that we spend on healthcare in the U.S., the, uh, the system is fundamentally broken of how we take care of people. And so I spent a lot of time trying to tweak it and sort of came to the conclusion maybe we ought to start over and that really set me on this journey that uh, you were a part of in Las Vegas. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so friends, just a little backstory. I um, met Rushika in November 2011, I believe, and started the process and actually came on and helped open our first practice uh, in Las Vegas in February. So January, we started 2012, but we opened a practice in February 2012, and it's been an amazing journey. Um, so you came to practice and by the way he's modest so he's harvard trained um and actually a really humble um human and really likes to add value to humanity and community which is really awesome um so you decided that the system was broken which most people would not be surprised to hear so can you tell us um anyone who's kind of new to the iora path or hasn't even heard of iora health um what this new pot model of care entailed. What does that mean? Sure, so the, the, the tagline, or I think if you want to summarize in one sentence what it was, it's, it's restoring humanity to healthcare. So what we've done is we have turned US healthcare into a series of transactions, document, code, bill, uh, everyone feels like their widgets off a line, that people are trying to do more things to people, more tests, more procedures. Uh, and we've forgotten that the point of healthcare is actually uh, health, uh, and that uh, what we need to do if we want to actually deliver health to people. Last I've tried, checked, transactions never healed anyone. So what we need to do is get rid of the transactions, and we need to recenter on relationship. And uh, what you realize when you start going down this road is that you can't just change a little thing; you have to change everything to align around relationships. So you need to get the payment model right. You're not being paid for thing you do, but you're paid for actually improving health. You have to change the way you deliver care, which is sort of wrapping teams around people and being proactive and meeting their needs. You need to change the IT platform. You need to change the culture. You need to change how you're funded. You know, so basically everything has to change. Yeah, that's true. Um, so how do you, what have you noticed over the, Iora has been in business for seven or eight years? Seven years now. Yeah. Seven years. Okay. So what has come into play or what results have you seen in terms of changing and shaking up healthcare um, all over the country really now? Yeah. So, so the goal of Iora is, uh, is nothing less than actually transform all of healthcare, right? And I think it's the, uh, I call it the Southwest Airlines theory of change. So 
uh, you know, back in the early 1980s, there were just high fares, poor service in all the airlines. Uh, and um, and what changed? And it wasn't the government. It wasn't consultants. It wasn't American and Delta and, you know, deciding to get better. It was a new entrant coming in, Southwest Airlines. Uh, radically lower fares, radically better service, better experience. Uh, and they got customers to start voting with their feet. And that on, not only created sort of a better experience and lower fares for the people who went to Southwest, but it kicked American and Delta and all the other guys in the behind and said, hey, we better change or they're going to clean our block. So that's really what we're trying to do is really transform all of care. Um, and by the way, we're starting with primary care because it's the right place to build relationships. But the goal isn't just change primary care. Use primary care as a lever to then change the whole of healthcare. So why primary care is really good is it's a place you can help people with the upstream, reduce stress, eat better, learn how to move more, deal with sort of spiritual issues. Uh, but it's also a place when bad things happen, no matter how good we do, still bad things will happen to people, uh, help them navigate the rest of the system, right, and the non-system, protect them from uh, uh, the alligators, one of our dogs, what we'd like to say. Um, and so that's really the model of Iora. And we've been doing this for seven years. I did it in a sort of predecessor company, too, for seven years before that. And it really works. So patients love it uh, better. We track a thing called net promoter scores. Most... Uh, primary care practice score in the single digits, five or six percent of people think this is really a great experience where we score in the 90 percent range. Um, we have much better clinical outcomes in terms of controlling people's blood sugars and blood pressures. Uh, and then what we do is we dramatically keep people out of trouble. We keep them out of the hospital, out of the emergency room, sort of 40 percent lower hospitalizations, 50 percent lower uh, ER visits, and that leads to sort of 15 or 20% lower total cost of care. And we can then take that and hopefully plow it back into the economy or into something else, right? Uh, and then the teams, by the way, like it too. So a lot of times I think people are trying to fix healthcare and they simply just tell the people in healthcare work harder. Uh, and we said, no, we should work smarter. We need to have the experience be a great one for the people who are serving as well as the patients, right? <laughs> I know how a lot of healthcare systems uh, treat their employees like crap, and then somehow expect them to treat the patients well. And of course, that's not going to work. So, so, so it works. You know, it's hard. You know, I think this is very disruptive. Not everyone likes what we're doing. Um, you know, obviously, if one were a hospital and one realizes that 40% of the people sitting in your bed don't need to be there, that's deeply troubling. Now, my attitude, of course, is if you don't need to be in the hospital, you shouldn't be in the hospital. Not only is it expensive, it's really wasteful. And it's dangerous, by the way, right? Bad things happen to people in the hospital. That's true. Yeah. And so just to bring everyone up to speed. So my role, my previous role or my first role with Iora was as uh, I add this clinical piece to it, but a health coach. So we are called internally in the company, it's health coach. The reason I add clinical is so that people don't think that what is happening at Iora Health is just wellness coaching because it's far deeper than that. Um, I learned a lot and my colleagues learned a lot in that role in terms of clinical care for patients. Um, one time, Rushika said, how did you know what a, um, I forget what it is now. Um, and I said, well, because I was listening, you know, when I went, visited a patient in the hospital, a thoracot, thor, thoracocentesis. Thoracocentesis. Thor yeah, thoracocentesis. And I you know, did my research as I was listening to the hospitalist 
dictate to the patient what needed to, you know, sharing the treatment plan as I related in huddle. The health coach then works with the primary care provider. We also have um, licensed clinical social workers, usually behavioral health specialists, and then other um, kind of support staff um, or support team members, I should say. And classes, um, there are fitness classes, yoga classes that get taught, um, all sorts of stuff, um, diabetes club, so many different avenues for patients to be engaged um, and participate in their own recovery, so to speak. And so it's not a, they come to the provider and the provider just tells them what to do. They are the biggest part of the plan. And so that's important to note so that people are all on, on the same page. So looking at collaboration, Rashika, how would you say that we're failing overwhelmingly when we say if we're going to talk about, for example, mental health or the opioid um, crisis that isn't necessarily a new thing because this has been happening for decades, but the influx and just the number of people that are affected today and just how there's no demographic, not one demographic is not touched by this. How would you proceed? So so I think a couple things. I think we are thinking about it wrong in the typical healthcare system. So so number one is there's this myth that I, the doctor, we, the healthcare system can fix your problem, right? And I think what's silly is something that I realized a long time ago if add up all the time that you, a patient, are going to spend with me, even, you know, I see you once a month for half an hour, that's, you know, six hours, that leaves 8,760 hours you're not with me, right? So thinking that I can fix your health in those six hours is silly. Really, the patient and their family and their loved ones need to be able to fix their health, and I need to give you the tools to do so, not try to fix your health for you, sure. right? So that's one. That's why we engage patients, why we try and teach them about their illnesses, et cetera. Their number two is, I think, we have this overly uh, fixated medical model of fixing things. Almost all the time, both the cause of the problem and the solution has nothing to do with what we think of as medicine, i.e. giving people a drug or sticking a needle in them. Uh, what we often say, and I think what, what we do is we need to help people fix their lives. If we fix their life, that will actually um, improve their health and that will keep them out of trouble. Now, I think what's interesting is if you look at what happens in other parts of the world, like in Europe or even in lots of other countries, they spend twice as much on what I'd call social services than on medical services. And what we've done in this country for unclear reasons is we spend twice as much on medical care as we do on social support. And then we wonder why this doesn't fix the problem, right? Spending money on medical care is a very inefficient and often ineffective way to solve what are by and large social problems. If you look at the opiate epidemic, you look at a lot of mental health, the underlying problem is not medical, right? It's actually social. So we need to actually be able to help people and their families and their loved ones sort of address those social issues, and then the medical stuff will follow. That's so true. Um... And there's just a lack of, I think, um, not even so much care and concern, but that's that's part of it, but just communication, right? So many people are talking across each other. And one thing that uh, I learned working with Iora was just about actually asking more questions because it's easy enough. A lot of times patients would know what they needed to do, but it's like, why aren't you doing it? So that is the question, right? And digging a little bit deeper. And it's interesting. Um, 
and remarkable how much you learn when you ask a question instead of just assuming that you know. And it's easy to do that, right? Because someone's trained, you know, this person may not be trained in the same way, but asking questions and coming from a place of humility has always been beneficial. What do you do in terms of for yourself for self-care? Um, it's easy to get kind of caught up in, you know, having meetings with the board or, you know, your COO and other members of leadership and discussing kind of the woes of the world. But what do you do, Rashika, to kind of... So, so yeah, so there's never enough time, and I wish I had more. Uh, a couple of things. So one is I've started doing a little bit of meditation. So my sister happens to be a meditation teacher, and she awesome. teaches these, you know, week-long and sometimes three-month-long silent retreats. And so she has gotten me uh, into it a bit. I use an app called um, Headspace, mm -hmm. which is sort of a great app, three minutes a day, leads you through something. Um, it's hard. It's, like, shockingly hard to actually keep focus for even three minutes at a time, but I think it's good. You know, I try and at least a couple times a week go to yoga. We have a yoga studio nearby, which I love. Again, don't do it quite as often as I'd like, but I think it's a good mix of both physical and sort of mental mm -hmm. focus. You know, try and, you know, go out and walk or exercise, which is hard in Boston this time of year when we have sure. feet of snow on the ground, but gets easier as the weather gets, um, gets nicer. But I think it's really important to try and have pieces of those. Awesome. Yeah, Rashika came to one of my classes when he was visiting in Vegas. Several people from the Nest came and that was a fun experience. So moving away from the fun, what are, something that we haven't discussed yet, what do you think is the biggest piece that's missing in terms of the medical field training? Um, medical professionals to go out and you know, kind of meet patients where they are, um, the healthcare field and that all what that entails uh, and community, what do you think is the biggest component that is missing in terms of advocacy and activism that people on the ground can kind of participate and do to kind of bring forces together? Wow, tough, tough question because there's so many things. I think at the very highest level, um, you know, we simply, we as in patients, need to simply take back healthcare, right? We're spending one-sixth of our national wealth on it. Uh, it matters so much about our ability to live our life. Uh, I think what's happened, to be quite honest, is there's been sort of a, I'll call it a medical industrial complex, which are, you know, doctors and hospitals and health plans and brokers and pharma companies and PBMs and and they're all all in cahoots to simply do more stuff to us and uh, and in in an ironic way the way the system's set up is the system does better when we stay sick and so um, so that's what happens right so whenever someone tries to do things to reduce hospitalizations or readmissions they get fired right because that loses income for the people doing it uh, you know it, it is just I think um, awful. <coughs> The way the current system is set up and I think in some ways uh, we need consumers people uh, not patients I use the word carefully people to sort of uh, be able to sort of advocate for changing the system and I think this is about power dynamics right so the one thing we do a lot at Iora is very explicitly 
do things to change the power dynamic. So for instance, when we uh, see people in the, in the office, um, we begin and end every conversation with people sitting in, in real clothes at the same level, right? Not the patient in a paper gown with their behind hanging open, the doctor standing up in real clothes. Like, no, same level. We plug our computers into a screen so everyone sees what we're doing. All the rec medical records are open to the patient. You know, not that it's a secret thing that we write in. When we do huddles in the morning, uh, the doctor doesn't, where the whole team gets together for 45 minutes and talks about our patients. The doctor doesn't sit at the head of the table. <clears throat> there is no head of the table. The doctor doesn't even run the huddle. Right, the first thing we say every day is we all run the practice, we all run the huddle, and everyone takes a turn. Shadima, I'm sure you've run the huddle many times, right? I, you know, as a doc, um, I get to run the huddle, but only one out of 12 days, because I'm with the, I'm, I'm one of the teams, I ought to run the huddle, but not all the time, right? So sure. I think that, if, if you ask me what's the one thing we have to do in U.S. healthcare is really rethink the power dynamics and get those right, and that would actually help the system get better. Yeah, that's true. So is there anything else, and you know, maybe at some point I'll circle back with you and other healthcare providers so we can have kind of a panel discussion, but is there anything else right now that you feel is important to add to this conversation, whether it's even looking at um, kind of the shift that has happened within the field um, since a new administration has come on or anything else that is at the forefront of your mind that you feel like, I really need to share this information with people, it's important. Yeah, you know, I a lot of times people ask, like, you know, you do a lot of different things. You, you build your own IT system. You've got a different payment model. You've got a different staffing model. Your space design is different. What is it that makes a difference? What causes all these great results? And I, and, I, and I think the way I answer that is a story. It's a patient I saw, not in Vegas, but actually in a prior practice in Atlantic City. Mm -hmm. Same population, sort of the hotel and casino workers. Uh, and the patient walked in, and um, her name was Joyce. And the health coach uh, her name was Millie, said, Doc, we got this patient, she's a hot mess. I'm like, really? So we walk in the door, and you remember patients like this in Las Vegas, you're just a hot mess, right? <laughs> Disheveled hair, sort of blank look in their face, not taking their meds, blood pressure, blood sugar out of control, in and out of work, in and out of the ER, just not with the program, sure. right? And so we you know, introduced the health coach, started coming to a few of our groups and our clubs, um, you know, had a shared care plan, a couple home visits, whatever. Um, I ended up leaving that practice because I was trying to figure out how we start Iora, the next, how to scale this up. And six months later, I came back and uh, the doctor took over from me, Neil Patel, who I think you remember still with Iora. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, Rashika, um, remember that lady we saw in the beginning, Joyce, and you said was such a hot mess? She's back. I want you to meet her. So I was like, sure. So I go in the room and I don't recognize her. She looks like a new person. Hair's comb, little makeup on, bright look in her eye, back to work, taking her meds, no ER visits, blood sugar, blood pressure under control. And I was like, Joyce, you look amazing. And she said, Doc, I've never felt better in my life. So then I asked the real question, I said, like, what have we done to make you better? Please help me understand. You know, your question, you have to ask people. What she didn't say is, you have a great IT system, you have a great payment model, you are a good doctor. She right. said something very profound. She said, Doc, you all cared about me. You taught me to care about myself, and I didn't want to let any of us down, right? You cared about me. You taught me to care about myself, and I didn't want to let any of us down, right? That's the sharp end of the sword. That's how we fix 
substance abuse. That's how we fix depression. That's how we fix diabetes, right, by, by, by doing that. Now, in order to do that, what we've learned at Iora is we have to change everything. Right, we have to change the payment model. We have to change the team. We have to change the stage design. We have to change the IT platform because because this current system, all of the above, are not aligned around helping patients. Um, and so, but if you can do that, right, this is the sharp end of the sword. Not about any of the others. About you cared about me, taught me to care about myself. Didn't want to let any of us down. I love that. Yeah, that's a great, um, and it, it makes me think of, and I don't remember who said this, but recruit the. Um, recruit the heart, train the brain. And that was something that kind of came up a lot um, in subsequent um, practices that were opening as we had, we were kind of unique in Vegas where we had these like, think speed dating, but it was speed interviews, you know? And so we got to be a part of and take ownership to your point, Rashika, of hiring, of talent and culture, because we knew that we would be working with these people and that was really important, you know, having a smooth, um, a team that works well together. And that doesn't mean everyone always agrees, but just there's mutual respect um, was incredibly important. So can you tell everyone, I know the answer to this, but some may not know. How did you come up with the name Iora Health? Uh, so Iora is a little bird from Sri Lanka, which is where I was uh, born. Uh, and I wanted a name that... Uh, that we could put meaning into. I did healthcare partners or partners in quality health, yawn. I want something short, cute. I like Dioras, I like birdies. Uh, and so that's what we did, Iora Health. And so we, um, a lot of bird themed, uh, our, our IT system is called Chirp because it's a collaborative care platform. We talk to each other, that's the main point of it. Uh, our main office, I think you mentioned your name, it's called The Nest. Not the main office, but The Nest. It's the nurturing, warm place. Uh, we have a, our playbook is called Canopy, right? We've got uh, so lots of bird, bird theme things around Iora. Yep. I love it. So thank you so much. I appreciate your time and we'll definitely have to have you come back on. It's been um, really great to reconnect in this way with you and hear some of your insight on healthcare, the field, and just people. Um, it's really encouraging. Great. Thank you. It's been great. My pleasure. So we'll read this story because it kind of is in alignment. Um, so they're in the Philippines, Manila, um, and it appears to be a young lady. And she says, I'm a researcher. I work with local governments to draft legislation that encourages sustainable tourism. Right now, I'm working on guidelines for sea turtle interactions. Currently, there aren't any laws regu regulating interactions with marine wildlife, so many species are being threatened. Dive companies are luring whale sharks with food and disrupting their migratory patterns. Tourism isn't a bad thing. It benefits the economy and it encourages conservation. It just needs to be sustainable. The industry needs to grow, but it needs to grow in a way that doesn't just enrich a few businessmen at the expense of our shared natural resources. So it's very similar to what's happening with Iora Health, which is a good thing. So thank you all so much for the love and support of the podcast. If you want to um, contribute, patreon.com forward slash the type A hippie. Um, I did want to add this to you before, Rashika, um, and I close. There are always um, open 
you know, slots for new team members with Iora Health. So all you have to do is go to iorahealth.com, take it from me. It's a really great company. Um, I was there for almost six years. <laughs> so uh, it was a really long time. And I actually left and came back <laughs> and then left again. So um, iorahealth.com, there are practices all over the country now. Um, and then the Nest is in Boston, Massachusetts. Um, so yeah, there are tons of opportunities. Um, if you're an investor and you're listening, um, they would probably like some of your money, um, but they don't take just anyone's money. <laughs> so there is that too, um, because it's a company that works in integrity and is very ethical. All right. So I honor the place within you where the entire universe resides. I honor the place within you of love, of light, of truth, of peace. I honor the place within you where when you are in that place in you and I'm in that place in me, there's only one of us. So thanks so much for listening, friends. Uh, my name is Chidema, also known as the Type A Hippie. This is the Type A Hippie podcast, Cheekast episode 91. Have a gratitude-filled day. Until next time, namaste.